Hello, this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a programme about international business and globalisation and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over the last 50 years or so. In each programme we interview a person from another country or with strong connections to another country to get their unique perspective on these matters and how they have affected their life, their work and their business. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience, both for me and for my interviewees from around the world. Today, we will be talking to the chairman of one of Portugal's oldest privately held companies, Garland uh, Logistics. Garland is a company that specializes in transport, shipping and logistics. And the company has a long and interesting history that goes all the way back to the year 1776. The chairman of Garland Logistics today is Mr. Peter Dawson. Peter has worked in the field of transport and logistics for over 40 years, first in the Netherlands, then for eight years in Portugal, followed by 20 years in the UK with the company PSL Freight, before returning to family business Garland in Portugal in 2002. Peter lives in Sintra, Portugal, which he describes as being the most beautiful place in the world. He's married, has two children, and states on his LinkedIn profile that his speciality is common sense. I'm delighted to have Peter join me today on the line from Portugal. Welcome, Peter, and thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you. So to start off, Peter, uh, could you please tell us a little bit about your professional career over the last number of decades? Right. Well, I, um, I was born in Portugal, and then I was educated in the UK in um, internal uh, schools. Mm-hmm. And I went to Canada for university, where I took a business administration course before returning to Portugal to join the company in the early 70s. Uh, In 1982, I left Portugal uh, to go to the UK, where I set up a a company called PSL Freight, which uh, was our partner in Portugal, became our partner in Portugal. And then in 2002, returned to Portugal to to Garland, where I am still working. Okay, and the the Garland Company, as I said in the intro, is one of the oldest privately owned companies in Portugal, going all the way back to the 18th century, to the arrival of Mr. Garland, an Englishman in Portugal in 1776. Could you trace for us briefly the the history of the Garland Company from those beginnings up to the present day? Yeah, we're probably in the top three or four oldest companies in Portugal now. And... um, as Patrick said, this was started by a Mr. Garland who used to, from uh, the south of England. From he used to trade from Wareham in Dorset, and he would go and fish uh, the cod in uh, Newfoundland, mm-hmm. bring it back to the UK, and often was diverted to European areas by the wind and such. And found when he came to Portugal, I think he sold his fish very easily and very well. And he decided to send his son here, and in 1776 set up this company, which up to 1932 uh, was heavily involved in the distribution and uh, fishing of this uh, cod. Mm-hmm. 1932, uh, all this area was nationalized by uh, the dictator, Mr. Salazar. And meanwhile, in the cent- previous century, we had the luck of becoming... Uh, representatives for various ships agents in Liverpool and in Europe, uh, in Poland, um, one or two in the Far East, 
which gave us the possibility of trading on a commercial basis with South America, Africa, Asia, uh, and the Far East. And so uh, from 1932 onwards, we really became uh, ship's agents and liner agents. And then in the Second World War, we became what is known as Swiss war transport agents. Mm -hmm. As uh, a UK company called Lep Transport worked with a German German company called Larsen, and they had to break off. And uh, Lep decided to appoint us. And we attended to all the movements uh, in Red Cross uh, wagons of Swiss goods coming through Lisbon, which was the only neutral port on, on the west of Atlantic, on the Atlantic coast. Mm -hmm. And these uh, vans would go to, to Switzerland. And then I, after the war, mm -hmm. we continued basically in, uh, in the ship agency business right up till the 70s when we started overland transport, firstly with the UK and then with, um, with uh, Germany, mainly in the textile business. Uh, and this developed so that nowadays we have uh, overland transport to all main points in Europe and UK as well as Ireland and also uh, sea freight services throughout the world uh, also um, assisted by air cargo operations so that in effect we can provide a client with practically anything he, he requires to move his goods, either import or export. So that nowadays we're, we're split into, uh, we're, we're four units. Mm -hmm. The main unit is the corporate unit, which attends to all our finance, all our human resources, quality, sustainability, IT. Uh, and then we have a unit which is for shipping, uh, which attends to liner agents, container vessels, uh, tramping vessels, uh, bulk vessels, uh, sailing boats, warships, anything that needs some attendance in the ports of uh, Lisbon and Les Chouange. And then we have a logistics company, which uh, operates now nearly 100,000 square meters of uh, warehousing. So it's storage plus added value services covering e-commerce and uh, distribution to stores. And then we have uh, our fourth unit, which is the transport uh, unit, which is uh, overland services uh, throughout Europe. We move about 250 trailers a week in and out of Portugal. Uh, maritime services throughout the world. Uh, as well as air cargo. And so this is our core business, those four units. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing story. And uh, at what point did, did your family, the Dawsons, become involved? Because I understand you're now fourth, fifth generation. In, yeah, in I, I'm fourth generation. We now have fifth. Mm -hmm. So my great-grandfather ran away from uh, Newcastle area <laughs> and at 16 and came here. And he found this company. We're not too sure how. We think uh, he knew someone in the company. And the owner at the time, Mr. Garland, gave him a job as tea boy. So at, every, <laughs> at 4 o'clock every day he had to produce the tea. 
And then Mr. Garland didn't have any successors. Mm -hmm. He liked the boy, he sent him back to England, completed his education, came back to Portugal. And then Mr. Garland uh, died in uh, 1901, I think. And in 1902, his nephew, the next generation, also died. And the company suddenly was left to my great-grandfather. And we are now in fifth generation. So the fifth generation are in their uh, uh, late 40s, early 50s, Mm -hmm. accompanied by three other Portuguese administrators of the same age, so that the company now has continuation for the next 10, 15 years before the next generation comes along. Sure, it's a great great story. Um, So these days, you've explained some of the services and the four different uh, branches of the business, or the four different fronts you're working on. So typically, who are your customers? I guess they're other companies in manufacturing distribution and so on is that so uh, most of our customers are in the uh, either I- importing goods for for consumption here mm-hmm. importing goods for primary uh, goods for for um, uh, industry here such as chemicals uh, textiles uh, car parts uh, all, all sorts and then on the export side, we uh, concentrate quite heavily on uh, textiles and shoes, auto parts, uh, chemicals, and various other products that um, are now produced in Portugal. Okay. And what would you say these days are the most important assets and capabilities of the business? Well, of our business is probably long-term experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, a family unit that's uh, uh, very close. Uh, uh, we do a do- lot of delegation in our company, which is not so common, possibly in in Latin quarters. So we motivate uh, all our staff, and we respond. Our idea is to respond very quickly to clients' requirements as well as being flexible to clients' requirements. We have invested a lot of money in technology, so that we have a, a customer service operation, which is heavily supported by technology, giving them more time to deal with, um, with our clients and, and, uh, and the, the changing requirements that they may have in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And then from a geographical point of view, what are the advantages and disadvantages of Portugal as a location for a business like yours involved in transport and shipping and logistics? Well, Portugal's a non-easy country because we're out in the left southwest of, of Europe, so a little bit far away. Um, and we have rather small populations, so the consumption is, is not that great. Mm-hmm. But we, we've been at a lot of attraction in the last 20 years for a very good hard-working labor force and management, which is now growing. We have a very large, also, IT development area in, in Portugal. And so there's a lot of production here of uh, many different areas, especially, uh, te- as I mentioned, textiles, shoes, auto production, chemical production, um, 
and and many other companies, uh, bicycle production, um, and most of this product is uh, for export because we have a small consumption. Uh, and in being for export, we also have to import primary goods to feed those factories. And therefore, it's a very attractive area we, from point of view geographically where where the um, entrance to the Mediterranean, which mm -hmm. is important. We can serve uh, Africa very easily from here. And we have the Portuguese um, ex-colonies based in Brazil and Africa that are also very close to Portugal uh, in, in using Portugal as a basis for distribution into Europe. Sure. And the, the what's the strategy of the business now for the future? And those internationalization of the business have a role to play in, in this future strategy? Well, the strategy of our business has always been, uh, our, uh, our core business is transport and logistics. So we have to follow the necess necessities of our clients, be flexible to their requirements, respond quickly, and consider ourselves as a partner to, to our clients. Because until the goods reach the final destination, as far as we're concerned, they're still in production. So we're part of the production line, mm -hmm. whether being delivery to, of goods to the production line or taking the final object to the destination. As regards um, international development, we are developing in quite a large way in Morocco. We have two small offices in Spain for the shipping industry, but I think in future we will develop more in our transport and, and logistics in Spain, as it's a country that 27% uh, of our, our business is, is done with Spain, and much of the movement often is, is of goods, especially on imports, um, are, are distributed from Spain. So that that will be our main area of development will, will be Spain. Okay, and as you implement that um, strategy into the future, what new competences and capabilities do you think you'll have to develop within the business to turn the strategy into into the reality of the future? Well, as I said, the, the, as a small company, we we have to take on board uh, the most advanced technological systems we can have to give, not only to give assistance to our staff in the office, but give assistance to management to have all the necessary information to make the necessary decisions for the future, but also to be available to our clients so that they can uh, track their goods, uh, find out better ways of moving their goods through the statistics that we make and uh, respond, as I said, respond to our clients. Our clients, 95% uh, are Portuguese, so we have to respond to their requirements uh, and follow them where they go in markets and follow them as they change their products. Um, and that's basically it. Mm -hmm. um, next question is probably a, a tricky one, but I, I do ask this question of, um, most business managers or owners that I, that I come across just to get their view on it. So uh, I notice from my own work with clients across many sectors that 
um, the formulation of strategy on the one hand and tactical planning and execution on the other, they're two activities that are kind of out of sync with each other. They require kind of a different approach and a different mindset. So the former, if you like, the um, strategy development is kind of expansive and creates uncertainty, while the latter, planning and execution, is more about kind of eliminating uncertainty and getting things done. So how does that tension manifest itself at, at Garland and how do you how do you resolve it um, you know those those two kind of antagonistic but necessary functions well we're small enough um, to be able to be flexible so that we have an overall strategy in our transport business specifically in our logistics and in our transport companies where we can control what we do uh, to be able to have an overall strategy which is flexible enough to adapt to the requirements of each client as they see fit. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we can't do everything that a client wants to do, so we have to be able to have alternatives and be constructive with our client to try and get them to, to use what we believe is the correct thing for their uh, correct strategy for their products and then um, basically it's adaptability mm -hmm. and it's uh, responding as quickly as we can and being flexible but trying to maintain that overall strategy okay and you you now hold a position of president or, or I guess chairman as we, we, we might say here well, uh, I am president yes and my brother is chairman okay um, uh, so what, what does your role as president entail and, and what are your principal functions and responsibilities? Well, really, uh, I'm, I sit here as a person, I believe, with some experience. I've been in this business nearly 50 years now. Mm -hmm. And um, a, a creation of good working conditions for our, our people. We now employ nearly 500 people in the company. Uh, and looking after our suppliers, so our transporters, um, and by having by looking after suppliers and uh, and and um, employees and having them satisfied and happy means that we normally have uh, happy clients. We have people that are able to respond to clients' needs, even though those clients' needs sometimes may be very difficult. Mm -hmm. but people are motivated to, to look after the client and also to look for opportunities. We always look for opportunities. Um, the market is, is not an easy place. Um, we've created room for opportunities for buying uh, companies that have, may have synergy with us or uh, areas where uh, it's a little bit outside our core business but fits in with our core business and always keeping our eyes open and always developing. We can't sit on our laurels at any time or we'll get caught up by someone and then be forgotten. The, um, the, the rise of the logistics service provider, I guess, over recent decades, as well as the huge growth in international trade that we've seen, I think they're both kind of manifestations of the processes of economic globalization, which have been going on for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, maybe more. But right now, it seems these processes are kind of being undermined by 
other um, contravening forces in the world, like we have Brexit, we have trade wars, we have economic uh, protectionism and so on. What's, what's your own perspective on, on this economic globalisation and its advantages and disadvantages? And where do you think it's all headed? Are we, are we stalled? Are we going backwards? Or is this just a blip? Well, I, I really wouldn't know and I wouldn't like to, to sort of... Um, speculate, is it? <laughs> speculate. Yeah. What we do do is have to have our eyes open. We're always reading all the materials that uh, are available. Uh, as I indicated, we have to have a high technological basis um, that allows us to be able to... Um, look at all our statistics and information and then we have to follow and guide our clients because our clients will still continue to produce here we hope we hope um, we have to advise them with regard say to brexit we have to advise them of what sort of documentation they're going to need um, and obviously from that point of view that helps us because we will earn more money <laughs> But uh, we certainly look, we want more free trade rather than uh, blocked trade. Sure. Uh, but really, I, I don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. So as we come now into the final part of the interview, I'd, I'd just maybe like to ask you one or two questions just about yourself outside of the world of work. So in your, in your free time, what kind of things do you like to get up to? What do you like to do? Well, we have a fairly sociable life. My, my wife is a an actress. Uh, I have two two kids. One is uh, a teacher having gone to Cambridge. Another is at Durham University and is probably going to study at London School of Economics. So mm -hmm. they keep us occupied. I like reading a lot. Where We're also uh, very lucky to have a wonderful place in Sintra where I can do quite a lot of gardening. We have plenty of beaches around here. We have lovely weather. It's a nice part of the world, yeah. And we li I like reading. We read a lot in our family. Mm -hmm. And with regard to reading then, books or articles, uh, anything that has particularly caught your eye or inspired you lately that you'd like to just mention to, um, uh, to listeners that they might look up themselves? No, nothing in particular. I read a lot of history, uh, Portuguese history, Asian history. And from that, I think you learn a lot of common sense of how people have lived in the past and that uh, really nature is cyclical. Probably the only difference nowadays is that we live by technology, so everything is much faster and so forth. But from that, I think I gained quite a lot of common sense. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, always enable others to to um, reply to their questions, you know. So if someone comes and asks me for advice, I always say, well, what, what would you do? And then yeah. correct them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they're way off the band, but if they come up with a good answer, then get on with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they often have the answer themselves, don't they? Absolutely, but yeah. they just need the confidence to to know that they're on the right track. Exactly. So how, how and where can listeners find out more about you, about uh, Garland, uh, on the web or through, through social media and so on? Well, I think we have a very good website. Uh, we're developing quite a lot on our LinkedIn now with providing information. 
we don't go onto Facebooks or any of the public media because that's not a, our area. We're we're in the commercial area, and uh, we, internally we have uh, some fifteen or twenty commercial people. Mm -hmm. We have uh, a very large, substantial um, customer service area. We employ quite a lot of. Uh, uh, MBAs and MAs, all very intelligent people. So if anyone should want any information on any area within transport and logistics, they can either go through our site or ring us up and we will pass you on to the right person to give you the necessary advice you may need. Excellent. I, I imagine the website is uh, garland.pt. Is that what it is? Well, if you just go into Garland, yeah. uh, Garland Portugal or Garland Transport or Garland Logistics. Yeah, it'll turn that up, yeah. yeah. And there's an English language website and a, and the Portuguese yeah. language website, isn't that so? Absolutely. So, um, thank you so much, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, you know, I've learned from you before when we met in person, and I've learned more today. So, thank you very, very much again. Okay, thank you. And thanks also to our listeners. And remember that if you would like to find out more about globalization, international business, and how we can help you to formulate and implement business strategies that deliver, please check out my blog and website on albalogistics.com and my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, which can be purchased on Amazon and Google Books. This is Patrick Daly of Alba Consulting. Goodbye and keep well until next time.